new show. I'm <laughs> no dice. <laughs> I liked it. I felt like I was in Vegas. Yeah. Oh God. I've I've I have a little um. There's this part of me that has what's the name of that guy? Bruce, whatever. That does the let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> Chicago yeah. Bulls, baby. Yeah, what's his name? I want to say it's not Bruce Jenner, it's Bruce Buffer. Uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, Max Revenue Show. I'm your host, Trey Shields, the uh, big, ugly, ball headed ogre, here with the Zen Master of Commercial Insurance, Micah Salas. What's and up? in today's. In today's episode, uh, we're going to talk about. Uh, it's kind of hard to lay it out. I guess I'm just, you know, like what we're going to title it or whatever. But I'm going to give you basically, you know, some correspondence that I had with somebody over email. And then just kind of, you know, we've got a few takes on it. Uh, hopefully, we'll help you out how I choose to title it or frame it or whatever yet to be determined. But so I got an email the other day and it was, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but it's basically like, Hey, here's what's going on. I've got a prospect. We're down to the 30 day window here. They are constantly getting last minute renewals. They are, not with the best carrier if they've got this exclusion that exclusion it doesn't seem like it's a big deal to the business owner how do i basically turn the knife how do i get them to see it and i kind of immediately my first thought was is well if you set the table with due diligence correctly it would have you kind of already would have broached these topics and it's not something that you would be finding out you know 30 days before renewal so i'm not quite sure how the whole setup went with this guy um but i think it was pretty clear that the that the guy the business owner didn't care and i don't know about you micah but it's hard to make a business owner care if they just don't give a shit. And, you know, early in my career, there would be all these different situations where like, and you got this exclusion, like that's a really big deal. Or, hey, you got that. Or, hey, you're getting your renewal the day before. And, you know, a lot of times they just don't give a damn. And we think that it's our job to, like, convince them that this is such a big deal. And, you know, frankly, it's just not a big deal to them. And uh, so I, I don't know if I, I set that up right, but I'll, tur I'll turn it over to you and let's talk about, you know, basically what to do when, you know, you see that you can do X, Y, and Z and really help them, but the business owner just doesn't see it. They, you know, they don't see the forest for the trees or whatever. So I'm turning it over to you. Thanks, man. Yeah. You know, I think this is something we all struggle with because any salesperson, but especially insurance agents, when you're selling an intangible product, like we, and especially me, I was trained at a company that was heavy, like oh, co-insurance at 90%, you know, versus 80%. That 10% difference is huge. And maybe it is, right? If you have a claim 
or key and lock replacement is only at 20,000 should be at a hundred thousand, you know? Okay. Lock and key replacement. Good luck trying to sell your policy at $20,000 more over lock and key, you know, key and lock replacement, whatever. Here's the thing is like, just because it's a big deal to us doesn't mean it's a big deal to, to them. And that's one of the hardest things for any agent, especially a newer agent to get, to get the hold of. And it doesn't mean you're wrong in thinking it's a big deal and having that core belief, but risk and, and risk tolerance is a personal thing. So, so many insurance agents get tripped up on the fact like, like, you know, this guy, or like you were talking about Trey, like they get so tripped up, like this guy can't see where I'm coming from. They don't know how big of an issue this, this could put them out of business. Yes, maybe that could, but maybe they don't give a damn. <laughs> like maybe they have other priorities. Maybe they would rather spend the 20,000 it costs to buy that pollution policy on something else, right? And you, as an insurance agent, this is where I come to the, this is why I wanted to become an insurance agent, first of all, an independent agent. And why I left the captive side is I wanted to truly work for the client. And I wanted to be able to be like, hey, here's all the options. I'm just, my job is to be the communicator and to be like an advisor, and then you make the decision, right? So um, it's not my job, like you said, Trey, to sell you insurance. My job is to say, here's the risk that exists. Here is a way you can solve it using insurance. By the way, here's a way you can solve it, try to mitigate it using non-insurance strategies. And then here's a cost to solve that. And then that's my job. I communicate that to you. Now you, you Mr. Business Owner, you have all the information, all the data. You make that decision. If you want to ask me my opinion, I'll share it with you. But um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's a hard pill to swallow for agents. But and then you you know, you have some clients that make a huge deal out of a like a, something minor. You know, I can't think of a good story right now. But it's just like, oh my gosh, I'm missing that. Like, I'm firing my agent over that. <laughs> it's like, and then some people will be like, that's all you found. And you found like they have an exclusion for like the work they do. And like, that's all you found. It's like, dude, this is a legit exclusion. Like for exactly what you do, what are you paying for? You know? And they still have a hard time firing their agent, hiring you. So it's like, you got to know who you're dealing with. You got to know every human being is different. Learn that up front in that first meeting. This is why you ask those questions in that setup meeting. Like this is one, one reason I like to ask the question on what is your risk tolerance level? Like what, as a company, how would you, how would you fall on the spectrum? Do you want to insure everything? Do you want to insure nothing? Do you want to fall in between? Like, how would you have a conversation around that in that first meeting? I don't think enough people have a conversation just ask directly, like to clients where they fall on that spectrum. Yeah, I, um, I, I definitely kind of came from the camp early on where it's burn the house down. And I know that, you know, we've talked a little bit about that. Like, it's definitely important to give to accurately portray the risk to your client or prospect. And so I'm, I'm okay with, you know, bringing out case studies or telling them, you know, like you with the, <laughs> like you literally did with the uh, business interruption if the guy's uh, place burnt down or whatever that was back in, you know, a few episodes oh. ago. Yeah. But where I, where I came from is like, Hey, go get policies, bring the policies back. We're literally going to put a red, you know, tab on I mean, every minuscule thing. And then you, you walk in and then you're like, man, you're missing this exclusion. And this is how this is going to whatever. And you've come in and you've just tried to completely annihilate the previous policy. 
And number one, if they don't have a big, you know, if they don't have a high risk tolerance, they're still not stupid, right? They know what you're doing. And I think we forget that, you know, that, that guy or gal who's listening to you, they're, they're not, they're not dumb. They know you're going to come in and you're going to make every mountain or excuse me, every mole into a mountain. What? Every molehill into a mountain or whatever that is. A mountain out of a molehill. A mountain (laughs) out of a molehill. There we go. (laughs) And then, you know, and then on the other side of the coin, if they do have a high risk tolerance and they just don't give a fuck, then you just, well, excuse my language. Don't give a damn. Then they're just, you know, like you're just blowing a bunch of hot air. Like you're losing credibility and trust with them. So I think, you know, instead of just coming in and totally burning everything down, there's got to be some type of balance in the middle. And a lot of this comes to like what we talked about in the newsletter is like your sales ability or your, you know, ability to read the room or to understand and ask the right questions and get a feel for it. Um, but you can't make somebody care about something that they don't care about, you know, and like we would tell them this exclusion and they wouldn't, you know, they would be like, all right, you know, and, but it was like, then you would, dial down and ratchet it and ratchet it and ratchet it until like if you would just see what i saw then you would understand why what i'm telling you is right and it's not your job to convince them right it's just you predict or you lay out the situation and then they get to decide because it's their business absolutely man i you know and i think you gain more credibility i always i literally say this to almost everyone i do their review or due diligence for is I'm not going to come back here, Trey, and make a mountain out of molehill. That's not my job. I'm not going to list everything that's wrong with your policy. I'm going to come back here and tell you the base, the things that I think can put you out of business or that I think are worth noting. Um, But again, I'm not going to come and twist your arm and say they're big deals. I'm just going to bring them up to you. So I always like lead with that because I think there is a lot of agents that have done policy audits and they come back and every little thing is, they think the more, the better. I mean, I think sometimes the less, the better, right? And then you can actually have a real conversation around the, around the points you bring up versus just listing and talking about why it's such a big deal, you know? Um, yep. I think also it's interesting, you know, a couple of things I, that I jotted down is like principle, right? So sometimes it's like the principle of things like, hey, this coverage wasn't missing and it's it's not even a big deal, but it's the principle or the fact that they just missed it and learning how to sell to that somehow, you know what I mean? Like, like, uh, I remember sometimes at, at my old employer, they would say, Oh, they, they had the named insured spelled incorrectly. Right. Or is missing a comma. And you'd have people that would bring that up. Now that's such a minor thing, but if this is where the principal piece comes in, if you can work that into your presentation in a way that doesn't come across of like, these are all the things that are wrong. You can work it in a way of more like, hey, to me, this is just sloppy work. You know, there's some really some red flags here, like your named insureds are incorrect. Um, This little coverage should be included. There's no extra cost. And yeah, would it put you out of business? No, but it's kind of the principle. You're paying your agent 25 grand a year. And it's like, if they're missing this stuff, it just raises some red flags. That's all I would say. I wouldn't just, you know darts at, at their agent, but just the little things like that you work into the presentation can really go a long way. Um, the other thing is, this is why I like the one pager, the million dollar one pager. You you named that the million dollar one pager. Million dollar like one sheeter. One sheeter, yeah. 
um, one hitter. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> anyways, the million dollar one sheeter is the same. It's like, it, it allows you to not come across, especially the prospects who don't maybe care as much as you think they do as like just some guy out there trying to like make a mountain out of a molehill. You're like really trying to talk about things that matter to them and it can keep you on, on pace for doing that. Um, and last thing I'll say about this also is that premium, if you got guys who just don't care about coverage or you don't think they do, this is where the premium and the benchmarking, if you have another plumber or you niche down, like we talk about, hopefully you have at least one or two other prospects in the same category and you can show what their rates are versus your clients. And this is where, you know, you'll start to open their eyes a little bit. Cause again, we're not trying to talk price because it's how can we get you the best price? You know, that's our whole pitch is, is on due diligence. Like it's hire us. It's a pitch meeting. Um, how can we sell your risk the most effectively? And then that benchmark data just shows like, Hey, this is what we're doing for other clients. You're like underperforming by 20%. I don't know why that is, but it just makes me wonder, you know, um, that's how you catch their attention also. But you don't always have the luxury of doing that either because maybe they're not overpaying. Right. So. We just, uh, Rachel and I just moved our, we just changed CPAs. And so he, we had already made the decision to move, uh, just because this guy is kind of more, it, we just kind of outgrown the other guy and made more sense to go with this guy, but he was basically running us through all these things. And after a little while, I was just like, there were so many things that he talked about. I was just, you know, I was overwhelmed. And I think that's a perfect kind of analogy to what we do is we come in and we think that we have to flag every single thing. And a lot of times you will lose someone's interest or at least buy-in because you literally are going over everything. Whereas I think a lot of times if we just pick the top three or four things, like there is this term called like the chaos of choice. If you, if you come up and you give somebody, Hey, here's, and, and I know they've done studies on this where they literally, they'll have a table and they'll have one set of sunglasses and then they have another table and there's seven different choices of sunglasses. And they look at like which table makes the most sales. And, even, and we think that, oh, if we can give everything to our customer, that we're actually going to have more, we're going to make more money because we give them a higher choice, like selection. When in reality, it was the sunglass table with like one set of sunglasses. You just come up. Do I need sunglasses? Yes. So you buy the damn sunglasses versus this other one. When you give someone this, you know, smorgasbord of things to choose from, it's just overwhelming. And I think that applies to like, you know, when we come in and we we, we kind of present our stuff as a producer. When we come in and we've got, you know, 12 talking points, we're going to do this and we're going to do that and you should change this and you should change that. The, number one, most of it's talking over their head and they can't remember all of it. But secondly, at the end of it, it's, there's, there's so much where we're, we're and chaos of choice on their plate. It can seem overwhelming. And to us, it's like, oh, we've built this mountain of evidence. Surely they can see why they should move. When reality, to them, it's just like the rats are running upstairs and they're like, oh my God, like, I don't, like, they're just, it's too much. And so I think a lot of times we'd be better served to kind of highlight the three or four big things 
and lay that out instead of like, you know, literally flagging every little thing or telling them every little thing because it's just overwhelming. It's too much. They, you have to look through the lens of the buyer, right? And it's like, Mr. Business Owner, there's a number of other things that I would change, but here's the three or four things that I really want to, here's the three or four things I really want us to discuss. And I think that would, you know, at least for me anyways, like when talking about my CPA example, if he had done that, it would be way less overwhelming. It's like, okay, you showed me the three big things you would change and how you would structure this differently. You can have my business. He didn't need to do yeah. all 15. You know what I'm saying? So anyways, I was just thinking about that. Chaos of choice is real. Yeah, and it's the whole back to the, is it Jim Rohn? Like more than, if you have more than three priorities and you have none, you know, kind of mentality. It's like when you go in there trying to pitch a business, even if we're talking strategy, like long-term strategy, short-term strategy, like if you go in there with 20 strategies, that's insane. <laughs> this is why, like, I think when, when you start talking about resources and if you work at a bigger agency and you're listening, I know I got caught up in this sometimes. It's like every resource out there we would list. And fine if you want to do that, but then that turns into just a dog and pony show. And I think you're better off maybe mentioning like, hey, we have a lot of resources. I don't want to sit here and bore you to death talking about all of them, but here's the one or two that I really, really think would be most important to you. And hopefully through your research calls, people like you, you know, listeners, you guys have gathered some of this stuff and then you boil it down to when you finally present the one or two things that you think matter most. And even your strategy, like um, when I, I would do this a lot too, like I'll lay out a quarterly action, kind of a service calendar, you could call it, but a quarterly service calendar. And then usually Q1, my meeting is um, risk management focused. Like, like, let's pick a topic, one topic for the year that we want to improve upon in your business. Now, why do I do this? Because I know as an insurance agent, I'm not really a risk manager anyways. Like, it's not like I'm going to go out there and change your whole company culture. Like, don't, if you try to sell yourself as that, go ahead. But I think you're going to leave clients underwhelmed and you're going to overpromise, underdeliver. So instead, go out there and pick one, right? Like we want to put a dra distracted driving program in place. Boom. That's your goal. Now, at the end of that year, you, you go back, you do your, you know, pre-renewal strategy meeting. You talk about what you achieved this last year. Be like, hey, we, we put this program in place. Good job. What do we want to do next year? Your client will remember that. You know what I mean? Like, oh, they helped us out with that. They put that in place. They don't expect you to be the savior to their company. You know? And if they do, they're, you've oversold yourself. Like, just that's just facts. I don't care if you're at the largest agency in the world or the smallest. It also doesn't mean you don't help them in other areas throughout the year, you know, but anyways, yeah. So, I mean, I think to your point, less is more for sure. Um, and it's so easy to fall into that trap of wanting to just let them know everything we can do every way we can help. You know, if you, if you could just see what I could see, you'd see why I'm the best choice. Look at yep. all these things I can do. And at the end of the day, less is more, and you can't make them see what you see. You know, by the way, like, dude, it's a super. I'm going to pat myself on the back here. I thought of this question last week during a first call with a client, prospect. Have the first call. They're looking to leave their agent, and I, I stole this from somebody, but I kind of made it into insurance. And I said, hey, you know, Joan, if if we're talking next year at this time and let's say you've hired me and you are a 10 out of 10 in terms of happiness, what would that look like? Mm. The reason I liked the 
question is because they started pouring it like, well, we'd have this service. You know, we don't want to be thinking about insurance. Our whole job is to just grow our construction company. We don't want to have to think about the insurance. We want our agent to kind of be, and I was like, what, the, the eyes in the back of your head? They're like, yeah. And, and so it was nothing about premium. It was nothing about even really, it was kind of coverage related, but it was just like, we just want to make sure someone's taking care of us and proactively helping us. So guess what? My finals presentations this Thursday, I'm not going to sit here and talk about every little thing we can do. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back to my notes and I'm going to repeat what they told me. That's all, you know, that's the, that's the whole, like we heard you say, and here's how we can sell, solve for it. Right. That's a brilliant question because it does two things at the same time. Number one, it lets you that now, which is huge. And number two, now you're future pacing them to where they can see an ideal situation. You know what I'm yep. saying? So it's like, they talk about in sales, you know, a lot. It's uh, getting your, like, what is your customer's ideal outcome and getting them to vision that and you being the conduit from where they are now to where they want to be. So A, not only are they telling you what that is, but now they can begin to future pace and see, you know, put themselves in that position and, and see what it would be like to be there. Uh, so that's a brilliant question. Can you say that question again one more time? Sure. So if you were to hire me as your agent and we fast forward six months or a year from now and you were a 10 out of 10 in terms of satisfaction, what would that look like to you? That's great. Yeah. That's great. Who'd you pull that from? I know you didn't come up with that. Well, I, I made it for insurance, but I the I don't know where I pulled that's that's part of the value of getting outside the insurance industry, right? And talking with looking at tech salespeople and other other sales folks. You just you learn a lot of different ways to do things. I mean, part of even my cold calling philosophy is all based around more like more like the numbers game is more tech tech driven than I think in classic insurances, right? But I yeah, I wish I could tell you who I pulled it from. I wish I could give them credit. Um but those forward-looking questions and thoughtful questions is how you really get them to open up. And you're not manipulating them in any way. That's the cool part. It's not like that old classical like questioning where you're trying to get them down a certain path. It's an open-ended question, but it also is a thoughtful question. You know, it's not just a stupid question. Like, what keeps you up at night? Not saying that's stupid necessarily, but the whole what keeps you up at night is a little bit played out. Um, yeah, I think so when you, people, yeah. shameless plug here, but I think when people see the producer playbook, or they hear us talk about due diligence, I think they automatically like, oh, well, they're just talking about a policy audit. I know how to do that. But it's not. Yeah. There's so much more, right? It's so much more than just the coverage. The coverage is just one small piece. And that's something that I have slowly learned over time working with you. It's it's positioning. It's it's how you open the door. It's the questions that you ask. It's it's so much more than just a, a policy audit. So if you uh, if you think that's what due diligence is or that's what the producer playbook teaches, it's it's considerably more than that. So uh, shameless plug there. The other thing I wrote down as you were talking, and I'm just going back again, I've, I've said this a thousand times. Uh, you know, I am by no means, um, I'm not a million dollar producer at this point in my career. Uh, the main reason uh, I started or we started this thing together was I have found every way to fail that you can fail. And so I just, <laughs> I'm more or less than anything. I'm not writing or speaking from, hey, here's uh, how I'm so great and why you should do it too. It's more like, 
hey, here's all the mistakes I've made. And so I'm helping you avoid these potholes. And uh, one of the big things that I did, one of the big mistakes that I did, and also why I fell into the trap of like really putting the screws to, hey, if you would just see what I can see, it's because you're selling at a, it's because you're selling out of desperation. And I wrote this and it's like, so why, why did I push so hard early as a producer? And it's, uh, and I think most people, if they're being honest with themselves, they'll see this too. It's because they don't have enough in the hopper, mm. right? It's because they don't have a prospecting system and they don't have enough leads coming in. So when they do get that one guy on the hook, it's like, man, they've got to mag- they've got to like squeeze this sucker dry because they are their their quarter is depending on this deal. Their year is depending on this deal, but. If you've got a funnel that's reliably bringing in new leads, you get to choose which ones you work on. And you know what? If they don't see what you see, that's okay because you got a line of people out the door who are willing to value you for what you bring to the table, and you aren't going to live and die on this deal. And so I think that's a yep. huge piece to this that is is understated. And as we're talking, I'm like, yeah, that's why I did this too. So I just dropped my pen. I don't know. Dropped the mic. I know. Yeah. You're on the <laughs> mic drop. Yeah. Hey, the, um, no, dude, that is ahead. such a great point. That's such a great point. Um, because, uh, well, I posted on Saturday about uh, some thoughts I had and I have two big deals I'm waiting to hear back on. And I said, I kind of had this thought hit me like at the end of the day, who at the end, of, if they say no, if they say yes, it's not going to change anything that really matters to me in life my family, you know, friendships, my health, none of that's going to get better or worse. I'll be a little bit happier for a moment, but that's it. And I, if you notice in that post, I put, you know, one or two deals, right? Shouldn't ever dictate things. And the, and I was thinking about it afterwards. I'm like, the reason you can get to that point where it doesn't matter and you're not is because you're not desperate, right? Like I get, you have to feed your family. But if one or two, your whole year is depending on one deal and that, yeah, of course you're going to be stressed because your family could be impacted, right? Like you, you might not be able to feed your, your kid, right? Um, but you put yourself in that position. Uh, and the reason, so for me personally, I've already, you know, my, my numbers this year are, are fine, right? So like if I get this one or two deals, it would be awesome, but I don't need them. Uh, now, and I still think long-term, yeah, it would help me get to my number long-term. I'm still chipping away at that. But again, these one and two say, no, I have other things in my hopper. I have other things that I think will hit this month anyways. Um, they won't even add up to half of that big deal, but that's fine. Cause I know every month I'm going to have these one or two. So, so the, the main thing is um, to your point, diversity of, of size of prospect is really huge. Um, and, and not getting so wrapped up in that one big monster elephant, you put all your hopes into that. And then also just like you said, having an active funnel, right? If you're always out there building your pipeline, then you can sleep a lot easier at night and not be as yeah. desperate trying to make mountains out of molehills because that's kind of a byproduct of of the, the desperation really is what it is. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And you know what? If the bitch don't want to drink, if you've got other, <laughs> if you've got plenty other horses in your stable, some of them are going to drink. And you don't need this one to drink. So I don't know. Maybe that'll be the title of the podcast. 
how business owners are like horses. <laughs> <laughs> what asses? <laughs> yeah, asses. There you go. Uh, oh God. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's good. I think we, I think we surrounded it pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Anything else I you want to add? No, nothing really. I mean, I think. Um, yeah, hopefully, if you're listening, you know, go buy the producer playbook if you want to. We get into a lot of this stuff in more detail. Um, we also have a mastermind kind of thing. I don't even call it a mastermind. A, a group, right? For people who who purchase it, and it's like a text thread, right? We all kind of shoot ideas to each other. That's been really helpful to the people in it. Um, so, but yeah, beyond that, just uh, thank you guys again for listening. We're enjoying doing this, and just don't just understand that your business owners don't care as much as you might care and you got to care about what they care about. Oh, also, if you're not subscribed to the max revenue letter, please go do that. Max revenue letter And Micah is also doing some cool stuff on YouTube diary of a new producer. Every week he is basically putting an update in there. They have hired a, new uh very green producer who's going by the name ian cognito and ian. mike is basically mike is putting up updates every week as he helps uh ian get started and i just uh i mean i'm doing it five years and i enjoy watching it right because it's just the fundamentals here's what you need to be doing here's what you need to be focusing on here's how you lay the foundation speaking of foundation if you missed this week's uh newsletter it's rev uh Revenue's hierarchy of producer needs. I don't know if you read it or not, but uh, I, yeah, no, I don't know. I, I, it makes sense in my head. So I don't know. Maybe it'll resonate with other people. There are just like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. There are levels that you must progress through, and the lower the level, the more important it is, right? And the first one being sales and prospecting. You can have a great niche. You can be at the best agency. You can have all the coverage expertise, but if you can't open doors, it doesn't matter at all, unless you know, Daddy bequeathed you his book of business. But that's for another day. So sales and prospecting must come first. Then you got to partner with the right agency with the right market access. Then number three is uh, coverage expertise, and then the the top is your niche get those right like and it. in the right mm -hmm. order so um anyways so, so uh, don't let the government don't let the government set the food chain kind of like the government had the food pyramid <laughs> yes yes all carbs speaking on the of bottom speaking of government did you see that thing i sent you richmond north of richmond dude that's a great song dude but it's I political that, now man. That was I. I didn't even know what was going on. I was like, all of a sudden, I saw something pop up. Like, oh, they're they're saying this song is a, a right wing anthem. I'm like, what? And so I was like, I'll just check it out. A neo Confederate <laughs> anthem, what they call it. Okay. Well, Richmond, north of Richmond. I mean, how cool is? It? I wish I would have thought of that line. First of all, like that's know, right? a cool line. But the lyrics, dude, the dude, it's it's like, hey, the working man, and I kind of related it to insurance a little bit. Even it's like the working producer. You know, you you're grinding out here and you got daddy, the big agency or whatever. Like the guys at the top are doing awesome, handing each other business, you know, seating business. And you're out here grinding. You just want, you know, you want, want it to be fair. Right. So, yep. but that was a cool song. If you, if you haven't seen the music video, go to YouTube and type in Richmond North of Richmond. I, I really like it. It's a, 
it's very country, but it's got a my man has got a voice and he is pouring his soul into it. I thought it was Bluesy. killer. I've been I've been I've been singing it for like a week now. So anyways. Oh, you knew about right, it that long? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm pretty hip. I'm not on TikTok, but I mean I've got my finger on the pulse, baby. I didn't hear about it till Saturday when I listened to it, but Yep. All right. Uh we we got well let's let people go. We go make some calls. Yep. Go make a ruckus. Give them hell. Adios. Adios. 